Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be she turned and said to Him, Rabboni, which is to say, Teacher, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Whoa, I want you to look at the timeline here real quick, okay? Jesus said to the thief that they would be in paradise when? Today, they were going to be in paradise. But then three days later, one, two, three, Jesus said he had not yet gone up to the Father. Okay, this means that for three days, Jesus and the thief went to a place called paradise. They did not go where the father was at, okay? So where did they go? If they did not ascend to the father, they went to paradise. Well, why is paradise not where the father was? Because you would assume paradise is in heaven with the Lord God himself, the father, father God, right? That's not what happened. First off, to understand this, we have to remember what Jesus said in John fourteen six: I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this means that nobody could go to the Father without Jesus Christ, okay? He had to make the way first. At this point in time, Jesus had just now been crucified. What that means is that every righteous person that ever died throughout human history, from Adam and Eve's day all the way up till Jesus' time on the crucifixion, All people did not yet go to the Father because their sins had not yet been atoned for. But they had to go somewhere. Where did they go? (laughs) They went to the same place that Lazarus went. It says the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom, to Abraham's side, which was the comfort side of Hades, the place of the dead. When unbelievers die... They go to Hades also, to the place of the dead, past that grave, but they go to the torment side of the chasm, the the fiery side of the great gulf that divides the two apart, which is into the flames of hell. But now that Jesus has made the way, now that he died on the cross and he atoned for our sins, now that when believers die, we get to go straight to the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.8 We are confident, yes, well-pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. See, friends, now that the way has been made for us, we don't go to Hades where we can see across to the other side of that chasm to the people in hell. I had a friend tell me one time after reading this story of, of Lazarus and the rich man, he said he didn't want to go to any place where he could see people that he might know on the other side of the chasm in the flames. He said that was torture to him. No, we're not going there anymore. The way has been made. We go straight to the Father. The Old Testament believers back before Jesus' crucifixion, they had to wait in Hades 
past the grave in Hades, in paradise with Abraham, with other believers. They waited for Jesus to make the way for them. And that's talked about in Ephesians 4, 8. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So where did Jesus and the thief go during those three days if it was not with the Father? After Jesus secured salvation for us at the cross, he went into Hades, the place of the dead, and Jesus brought with him, he brought the captives that were waiting there. He brought Abraham, he brought Lazarus, he brought Adam and Eve, he brought King David, uh, Joshua, Daniel, the thief that died with him on the cross. He said, today you're going to be in paradise with me. Okay, they went to paradise. He brought every believer and every every person that had died in faithful belief to God. All those that died before his crucifixion, Jesus went and got them, and he led them up from Hades to their new eternal home in heaven with God the Father. And so what's exciting is that paradise has been emptied out. It has nobody there anymore because everybody has now been taken to the Father. And when we die, we get to go straight to the Father as well. 1 Peter 3 gives us more information of what happened during those three days also. It says that Jesus also went to proclaim to disobedient spirits that were in prison. That's a whole different story right there. That's a whole different sermon of other things going on. But it is, it is thought that Jesus went into hell to make some kind of announcement to some disobedient spirits that were there. Whatever it was that happened, I didn't dig into that part of it as deep, but whatever happened, we do know that paradise was emptied out. There's nobody in paradise anymore. Everybody that has been sent to hell, though, is still there, including that rich man. Still no water to cool their tongue, still in agony in the flames. But we know that paradise was emptied out, but will hell ever be emptied out as well? Would it surprise you to hear that, yes, it will? I know you're thinking, no, that's it. That's hell. That's It's over. No, hell's going to be emptied out too. I want to show you a future event that has not yet happened yet in Revelation 20, verse 13. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Guys, it just got worse. You thought hell was as bad as it gets. There's also what's called the lake of fire, and hell is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. Paradise was emptied out when Jesus made the way to the Father. Those that were on the hell side of Hades, they all will be emptied out of hell for the purpose of being judged. You see, paradise was a place where righteous people waited on Jesus' sacrifice. But hell right now is a waiting place for the unrighteous who are awaiting the final day of judgment. And so hell is like the county jail where you have to wait for trial, where you're being held while you're waiting for your trial to come up. But then the lake of fire is the penitentiary. It's prison. After you go to trial and the final sentencing, that's where they put you lake of fire. So you've got the county jail where you wait, then you've got the penitentiary where the finality comes down. 
That's the difference between hell and the lake of fire. The lake of fire is so much worse. And so as it says, Hades will deliver up the dead to be judged. Now, this means that just for a moment, for a short period of time, those who were in hell are going to stand before Almighty God. They're going to see him for a moment only, very brief. They're going to see him in all his radiant glory and all his power. Just for a moment, they're going to see who they could have been with, only to be judged and thrown into a much worse place than where they had just come out of. They just come out of hell. They're going to see the Lord God for him to pass judgment guilty, and then they will be thrown into the lake of fire. Friends, if you thought hell was bad, this lake of fire is so bad. It is so terrifying. It is so intense that it's called the second death. It's like dying twice. It means you've died and you're dead, but now you're dead within dead. It's the second death. It is so bad. Now, this judgment against the lost is going to be at a place called the Great White Throne Judgment that you can read about in Revelation chapter 20. It has not happened yet. It has yet to come. But I'm telling you, the Great White Throne Judgment, that's the judgment you do not want to be at. You want to be at a judgment called the Bema Seat Judgment, which is for believers whose names are going to be written in the book of life. It's at the Bema Seat Judgment where you will be declared not guilty because you believed upon Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then you get to be pronounced not guilty and you can go on into eternal life. That's what you want. Daniel 12 verse 2 says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. And this is why I give the gospel in every single sermon that I do, because I just hope that somebody out there is listening to the same word of God that Abraham said the rich man and his family should have been listening to. He told the rich man, let them hear them. Friends, you need to listen to those who are preaching the word of God. We're not just doing it for fun. We're doing it because we care about your eternal destiny. We care that you come to Jesus Christ. We want you to be in the family with us. This isn't religion that says, stop doing it your way and do it my way because I'm right and you're wrong. That's what most people take religion to be. That's not it at all. We want you to be saved. We don't want you to face this day of hell and then judgment to be thrown in the lake of fire. Nobody wants that, but we're trying to warn you. Just like the rich man said, warn my family. I know that there are some people who have known me during their lifetime, people who died lost. They died in rejection of Jesus, and these people can feel, they can think, they can speak, they have conscious memory, they have a crystal clear remembrance of people that they knew during their lifetime, one of those people being myself. They remember me to think that there are people in hell right now that remember me, that remember all the times I tried to share the gospel with them, and they rejected it. They're going to remember every time I tried to tell them about Jesus Christ, and they said no. And you know, once they realized that their fate was, is sealed, they found out and finally realized that there was no escape for their torment. Then the number one 
priority that entered their mind is about that Ray Jensen, or you could say for yourself, that Ray Jensen, that guy that was trying to preach God's word. I remember he was a pastor. I remember he was on the radio. He was trying to get to all the people that he could. He held Sunday services. He preached the gospel of Jesus. I hope that the outreach that he has gets to my family. Can you hear this, guys? We read it in the Bible. We know it's possible. We know it's true. We know that this is what people can do even beyond the grave in hell. They're thinking about us, and they're thinking, I hope you get to my family with that message so that they do not come to this place. Can you hear the drive that I have in my voice here? Why I do what I do? Let me ask you a question. What about you? Does this story drive you? Whenever you have the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus with somebody and you choose not to, you decide, no, I'm not going to do it because it's politically incorrect or whatever the number of reasons you chicken out, okay? Are you considering all the people who are in flames right now shouting, please warn them lest they come to this place of torment? Are you thinking about them? Friends, we need to put our selfish motives aside. We need to put all our cares about money and ourself and our own version of purple clothing and sumptuous faring of good, good food and all about me. We need to put it aside and let's get busy doing the work of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're here, but for a blink and then it's over. What are you going to do with the time you've been given? Luke twelve fifteen. One's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You know, that rich man wearing the purple, he ate well and everything. That, that's, that's what's on everybody's mind today. Well, I just want to be comfortable. Oh, God, give me so I can, as I could be rich. Oh, I just want to have a car and a boat. And well, some people take it to an extreme. Name it, claim it, jumbo jet. You can have it, whatever. It's crazy. But I want you to realize all that wealth will never buy you out of hell. There's just not enough money. It was the rich man that went to hell, not the poor man. He didn't have enough money to buy his way out. All that wealth is never going to buy you out of hell to say nothing about the great white throne judgment when those who reject the Lord will die a second time being cast into the lake of fire. Your riches will never buy your way out. But Ephesians 1 7, in him, Jesus Christ, in him, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. See, it's according to his wealth, not yours. This rich man, he wore purple, a sign of great wealth and power, but his riches could never buy his way out of hell. But the riches of Jesus can. You remember the Old Testament tabernacle? God's presence was at the very center of the whole thing. And the only way in was through that one single entryway. And guess what color it was? It was purple. It was purple. It showed us the great riches of his grace, the royalty that could afford it. It showed us that Jesus can afford to buy our way into the presence of God, that according to his riches and glory, his royalty, he can afford it. Because Jesus Christ is king. Luke one thirty three. 
Jesus will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Friends, aren't you glad that you were bought and paid for by heavenly royalty that can afford it? (laughs) And he didn't just buy my way. He bought any one of you who, who will give your life to Jesus Christ. Any one of you. Lazarus was saved because he was faithful and he believed, but we know his name. His name was Lazarus. Did you notice that Jesus in the story never gave us the rich man's name? We have no idea what his name was. He was forgotten for all time. This shows us that the rich man had no relationship with Jesus. When you know somebody by their name, that indicates something about relationship, about closeness, fellowship with that person. Friend, you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to get to know him on a first-name basis to where not only do you know him, but that he knows you. Jesus said the ones he's going to, in Matthew seven twenty one, the ones he's going to cast out is going to be because he didn't know you. It's not just about you knowing Jesus. He's got to know you too, okay? So if you claim to have a relationship with Jesus, you need to develop it further. You need to get to know the Lord God. Don't just sit there and say, I know Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus is trying to get closer to you. You know, I'm a pastor, and I'm preaching God's word, and even I have to develop my relationship with Jesus closer. I was at a conference one time, and there was a man that crossed the entire arena full of pastors and other ministry people. He crossed the the whole arena to come sit down next to me to whisper in my ear, Jesus is trying to get closer to you. It was a solemn moment. It was very quiet. They said, anybody with something special from the Lord, get up and say it. And this man crossed the whole place to tell me, a pastor, Jesus is trying to get closer to you. I had something in my life, apparently, that was hindering that. Friend, I'm trying to tell you that if that's for a pastor, it's also for you as well. Jesus is trying to get closer to you. Are you listening to him? But maybe you're wondering, how do you get closer to Jesus? Well, do you wake up thinking about how you could spend your day trying to get the gospel to other people? Taking what you have, the way you live your life, where you work, everything you've got to use it somehow to share the gospel with other people. It could be as easy as sending somebody a simple email or start a hello conversation with somebody in the grocery store line. The other day, me and my wife saw two women trying to jumpstart a car. And we got out to help them because they didn't know how to do it. And we got to talking with them and found out that one of them's mother had died and she was going through a tough time. Her husband had left her and all these crazy things. And they just, they just cried their eyes out and we gave them the gospel. And all it was in the start was to help them jump a car. Look what it turned into. It turned into a, a gospel moment. Are you having moments like these? Do you look for moments like these? We need to be doing kingdom work. We need to warn people lest they come to the place where the rich man was. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That word go, that's a commandment. We're supposed to do it. You know, the rich man's life was about whatever he wanted for himself, but in hell, he got a quick reorganization of his priorities, didn't he? He had to restructure what mattered in his, in his existence. If your life is focused on the things that you want, all about you, maybe it's time for a quick reorganization of your priorities to get closer to Jesus by finding ways to help others come to Jesus too. Don't just tell people everything's okay. Don't just tell them, oh, just believe in a a, a God out there and you'll be okay. You'll be saved. That's not the gospel. 
I knew of a pastor that was telling people that, I ah, just believe in God, and he kept Jesus out of it. He didn't really proclaim the word. He was basically just a warm, fuzzy pep talker. And he had a member of his church that died. Well, the pastor had a vision that he saw the flames of hell, and there were people in it. He could see somebody come up. He grabbed somebody and looked him straight in the face real intently and threw that person to the side, went back down underneath the flames, and come up somewhere else to grab another person, looked him up close straight in the eyes, and then threw him, a, threw him away again. He woke up terrified, and he asked the Lord, what was that? And the Lord said, that's the man that was in your church. He went to hell, and he's looking for the pastor that lied to him, that told him everything was okay. Now, friends, somebody is not going to be thrown into hell based on your capacity. The Lord draws people to him. That's how that works. But you do at least need to be truthful with people, and you need to tell them the truth of where they're going to go if they get right with the Lord, just as much as you need to tell them where they're going to go if they don't get right with the Lord. Don't water it down. Get real with people. John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Aren't you glad we don't have to go to a waiting place, even though paradise was pretty nice? Aren't you glad that we get to go straight to the Lord God himself? We believers will also be judged, but since Christ's righteousness has been imputed over to us, then that means our names will be written in the book of life. We will be rewarded not punished. And that is good news. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Friends, when your death comes to you, there's only going to be one thing that matters, your relationship with Jesus Christ, whether you had one or not. Whoever wants to live apart from God, your wish will be granted to you. For all eternity. If you don't want God in your life, you're going to get that forever. It's going to be because you chose it. If you board the train of unbelief, you're going to ride it all the way to its destination. Now, this story started here with somebody who would not ever listen to the word of God. That rich man, he never would listen, and it landed him straight in hell. If we claim that we're Christians and we claim to listen to the word of God, then we are required to take the word of God. Out to other people. Again, the drive for me in this story is two things. Number one, I'm serving the Lord, but also knowing that there are people in the grave who are hoping that I will make it to their family so that they don't go where they are. And that's why I proclaim the gospel like I do. If you're hearing me for the first time, you realize, Ray, you're talking to me. I don't want to go there. I want to get my life right with Jesus Christ. Then pray with me, would you? Father, I have sinned. I realize I can't buy my way out. I have totally blown it. Forgive me, and thank you for dying in my place and paying my penalty. I give you my life, and I will stop my old life. I am dead to my old life now. I turn around, and I will follow you. Thank you for giving me eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, the Bible says you're saved. Go to setforliferadio.com and drop me a line and let me know if I encouraged you today. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.